Thank you for listening to this episode of No Days Off. Go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as subscribe to us to catch our main show that we do every week. Welcome back to another episode of No Days Off. I'm your host, Wyatt. And today we're going to be talking about Malik Willis falling in the draft and Kenny Pickett going in the first round. I disagree with some of the moves that the Saints, Washington, and Vikings did in the first round. I talk about the Jets, Chiefs, Eagles, and Ravens having a fantastic draft across the board. And some of my question mark moves that the Giants made on days two and three. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the quarterbacks. Everything we think about players and where they go are based on media narratives. Mel Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah, and Todd McShay are the guys who really shape our perspective and expectations on where players go, how high they go, uh, and, and what teams are looking for. Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not that surprising that only one quarterback went in the first round. And everybody else, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Sam Howell, fell to like round three to round five. And I I don't think if the Steelers didn't take a quarterback in round one, I don't think any of those quarterbacks would have gone and they would have all fallen to round three. The media loves quarterbacks. Rightfully so. They're incredibly important. They're more fun to talk about than defensive tackles and right guards. But some of the loves for quarterbacks made us believe that Malik Willis was going as high as six overall. At the end of the day, Willis is a two-year project. We love to compare these project-type quarterbacks to Josh Allen. Like, Josh Allen wasn't a total anomaly. Josh was 6'5", 230, absolute cannon for an arm. Malik has a great arm. But he's 6'1", 210, which is relatively small by a quarterback standards. The league has embraced a couple smaller quarterbacks in, in the course of history. Drew Brees, uh, Tua, Drew, um, Russell Wilson are, are guys that we, that we look at historically. But even guys that we have deemed to be small, like Mac Jones and Malik Willis, they're both... 6-3 and 6-2 respectively. They're they're bigger than Malik Willis is. Ultimately, teams have good drafts based on the value of where they pick their players. Malik is in the third round is a good value. Pickett going number 20 overall to the Steelers, I don't think that's a good value. <clears throat> Being a third rounder is not a death sentence for these players. I feel bad for Malik Willis only in the sense that he clearly got the impression to put on a suit to come down to the green room on day one. He clearly got the impression that there was a team that might have drafted him in the first round. But at the end of the day, if you're a third round pick, you're an NFL player. You are a guy who is drafted to be a key contributor to a successful team. Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, George Kittle, Stephon Diggs, Dak Prescott, uh, Kirk Cousins 
are all types of guys who did not go on the first day. There can only be so many first rounders that go in the NFL draft. And especially for a lot of these teams, if you're a quarterback, there are even slimmer opportunities for you to go in the first round. So yeah, I feel bad that Malik got dressed up. But he's, his career is not over. He, he is a two-year project, and the Titans are going to do whatever they can to make him a legitimate player in the league. And, and I forgot to mention, Derek Carr was also a non-first-rounder. He was a second-rounder, I believe. <clears throat> Malik Wells will be fine. I think he's going to end up being a pretty decent quarterback in the league. But not every team could have invested two years into it. I mean, the, the Titans, Mike Vrabel, is not going to get fired within the next two years. Even with the A.J. Brown trade, like he's going to be around for a while. They, they have the utmost faith in what Vrabel might be able to do for that team. So Will, Willis, Willis is going to be just fine. Um, Kenny Pickett is in a rather similar situation as Willis is in the fact that the Steelers are as stable as a franchise as anyone has ever been ever in the NFL. Mike Tomlin is one of the most respected head coaches. They draft incredibly well. The GM is going to retire, but most likely somebody internally will take over for that team. And I mean, they're as like the Roonies are as influential and as stable as owners as you could ever ask for, for a team, a player in a team. Pick it going 20. He's going to be fine as far as like being, having the ability to grow. But I think his pro comp is not Kirk Cousins. It's more along the lines of Daniel Jones. And nobody is going to draft Daniel Jones in the first round. When I talk about good drafts and good value, Daniel Jones going number six overall is a absolutely terrible pick. And the Giants did not pick up his fifth-year option over the last weekend. And I think Kenny Pickett is going to be in a rather similar situation. With no matter how good he is, every time we look up, we're going to be thinking about how we can get better at that position. How the Steelers are going to find a way to improve on him. Mac Jones going number three overall last year was blasphemy. 15 is a great value. And if Mac Jones were in this draft, he would be, he's miles ahead of where Kenny Pickett and even Malik Willis are. Like, these quarterbacks were low ceiling, immense projects. And I just don't like the Steelers reaching so far for them. In hindsight, it's 2020. We don't know where the other quarterbacks could have gone. But we, now we know that they could have gotten a sweet player in round one. Probably still could have gotten George Pickens in round two, Calvin Austin in round like four or five, and a quarterback in round three. I'm just not in love with the pick. It's an immense reach, and you know you don't have the luxury of going from uh, like the like Packers have going from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. They don't have the the Steelers don't have the luxury of going from Ben Roethlisberger to another Hall of Famer like. They had nobody else lined up for it. It was Mitch Trubisky. I just, it's a hometown story. Not super in love with it. I'm going to defend 
the Jacksonville Jaguars. There was not a guy that we could have clearly put in the number one spot. I originally had them mocked in my mind that they were going to go offensive line. I thought Evan Neal or Iki Iquanu were going to be guys that were going to be stable pieces for Trevor Lawrence to, to be able to develop for them. But Trent Baalke has a history of drafting guys with these high physical upsides. He's, they were talking about Trayvon Walker as if he reminded them as Alden Smith, but Alden Smith had like 11 sacks as a freshman. Trayvon Walker was not an incredibly productive college player, and when you draft a guy number one overall, you're essentially saying, I'm drafting the best player in this draft. And most of the time, the best player in the draft has high physical traits coupled with elite college production. Trayvon Walker is a very good run stopper. He was a defensive tackle forced turn at D end. But the physical traits are there. And when you look at some of the pieces that they have as far as like a core goes, defensively, Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen have the traits to be one of the two best pass rushers in the league. Ultimately, same thing with the, the death sentence of the third rounders. It's at the at the end of the day, it's Walker's choice to become an elite player. His dedication to the game, his you know development from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you know what they install with him and what he takes. So Trayvon Walker, I can I can see the understanding behind the pick. Big guy, physical dude, tested phenomenally. I don't hate it. I even with Aiden Hutchinson, who went number two to Detroit, and I like Aiden Hutchinson. I like what Detroit did in this draft. But I think the ceiling is way higher for Trayvon Walker. And sometimes, you know, chicks take the long ball. You hit home runs. You want to hit a home run. Trayvon Walker is clearly a home run. Aiden Hutchinson, I think, had a high ceiling. He was not a Bosa brother. There was no Bosa brothers in this draft. So I don't hate it. As far as the rest of what Jacksonville did, um, I love that they went back for Devin Lloyd. He was my linebacker too, but I, with the physical traits, I totally understand. I know that they doubled up with Chad Muma, but I think Chad Muma was my linebacker three or four. Um, very talented player. Uh, the, hopefully, you know, this justifies letting go of Miles Jacks, who I am a big fan of. Uh, I think that Jacksonville, well, if everything works out, which is a big if, they're going to do pretty well next year. At least win five games. They, they shouldn't be selecting number one overall again. And as far as zeros to heroes go, the Detroit Lions over the last two to three years or so have put together an impressive young core of players. There's Aiden Hutchinson right now. There's there's TJ Hawkinson. Uh, Jameson Williams, who they reached up and they and they grabbed this year as well, who a lot of people thought was the most talented wide receiver. I mean, as far as a guy who is a complete wide receiver, Jamison Williams, burst, route running, yards after catch ability. I really like the pick. I love the aggressiveness and the trade back up with a division rival and be able to take somebody like that, I think was a fantastic move. I loved Almara St. Brown. Um, there was he was a later round pick last year, but you know it's it's a GM's job 
to find sweet players in rounds two, three, four, hopefully five and six. But if five or five fifth rounders and sixth rounders don't pan out, nobody's going to kill them for that. And the Detroit Lions over the course of the last couple of years have done exactly that. Amon Ross St. Brown, fantastic player. DeAndre Swift, I believe was a second rounder last year. Fantastic player. They trade for Jared Goff, who has been labeled as like one of the worst quarterbacks we've ever seen. He's probably a top 20 quarterback. He's not going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But he's, he's good enough for them right now, and they're clearly going to build around him. Frank Ragnow, Taylor Decker, and Penny Sewell. They have put together what I believe to be a pretty impressive core roster of players. Ultimately, they're going to have to start paying it off. Nobody gives a damn whether or not you win the offseason, you win the, tra- the, the draft, you win a couple trades. They're going to have to stop picking out of the top five. And I believe Detroit can do so. I, I really like Dan Campbell. I love the way that the team bought in on him last year. Very impressed with the things that they've done. I think Detroit, again, getting uh, Josh Pascal, <clears throat> Jamison Williams, and Aiden Hutchinson in the draft, one of the first couple rounds in the draft, I just believe they have finally figured it out. Finally figured it out. And I have fingers crossed for them. I picked them to be the second place in the division. I might do it again. I am just super impressed with them. Good for them. I don't like the move that the Vikings did, though. I mentioned the, the Detroit Lions traded up with the, with the divisional rival in the Minnesota Vikings to snag Jamison Williams. <clears throat> and at the time, Kyle Hamilton was available. Why are the Minnesota Vikings at pick 12 trading back 20 picks? 20 picks and then drafting a safety at pick 32. What what is the draft strategy behind that? I hindsight is 2020, and I like that they went and got Andrew Booth and Brian Osamoa in some of the later rounds. So maybe it all works out. But I think that they still could have gotten Kyle Hamilton at pick 12 and then gotten Andrew Booth and Brian Osmo anyway. They had to trade up to get Andrew Booth. It's not like he just, they were like this big brain move and they fell all the way back and they drafted him, you know, at with their second rounder. They did not get a haul for this trade. They dropped back 20 spots. They have a second round pick swap, basically. And they get an additional third rounder. I don't like when teams leave talented players on the board. And the Vikings did exactly that. What? I just, this is a, this was so dumb. So dumb. The Vikings have a new general manager. And he's probably one of the smartest guys to ever sit in a front office and as a GM. Sometimes I think that some people think that they're smarter than they have to be. Not a huge fan of the move. You could have walked out with Kyle Hamilton, Andrew Booth, and Brian Osamoa. I would have given you an A-plus for that. Now, the Ravens are walking away with Kyle Hamilton, and they're having the best draft that they've had. Nice move. <clears throat> the Saints, what, what makes the Saints believe they're so close 
to being in a contender again. I know that the division historic, like last year, the last couple of years, have not been very good. The Panthers are not good. They're probably going to get a little bit better. They have really good players on defense. But overall, Sam Darnold is their quarterback, or Matt Corral. They're not very good. The Falcons are not very good. And maybe that's convinced the Saints that they're so close to winning this division and they have the possibility of dominating and making the playoffs on a regular basis. But this is like another, this is what has got them in trouble up until this point. Putting money on the credit card and telling yourself you're going to pay it later. Their cap space was hell coming into this year. And then they go ahead and they trade with the Eagles for an additional first round pick. And then they trade up in that draft to go ahead and get Chris Olave and Trevor Penning. I mean, they didn't trade up for Trevor Penning, but what, like, yeah, Michael Thomas and Chris Olave is exciting. Trevor Penning is a nasty tackle that, you know, he has an energy that you like to see on a football field. But the Saints, they're mortgaging their future every single year, and they don't have a first-round pick next year because they think, what, like they can win one playoff game with Jamison Williams? Or not Jamison, with uh, Jameis Jameis Winston? I don't get it. I don't get it. Maybe they're just waiting for Sean Payton to come back. But with Dennis Allen finally taking over the, uh, as the head coach, them having some, one of the worst cap space situations you know, in the league, why, why are you so convinced that you're that close? Go ahead and reboot. There's no shame in that. You went all in on Drew Brees winning a championship, and you, and you missed out, and that's what the way it goes. You put all your eggs in a basket to win, and sometimes you don't. And we can sit here and we can applaud at them. And I think it was smart for them to do that with Drew Brees, who was a Hall of Fame, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen in the NFL. He, does, he is no longer in that building. You can, you can let it go. You can let that winning go. Take two years to reboot your franchise. Trade away some sweet players every once in a while. But stop putting money on this credit card. And lastly, the Washington Commanders who made the trade at pick 11 with the New Orleans Saints. I, don't, I, I do not like the move to trade back and draft a player that the team you traded with also drafted. In most mock drafts, and I think in our mock draft, we had Chris Olave going number 11 overall to the Washington commander. And maybe Jahan Dotson was the guy they wanted all along. But again, as far as value goes, this is a reach. Maybe the Green Bay Packers would have drafted him at the back end of round one. But... Being he was the fifth wide receiver taken off the board, taken in front of Traylon Burks. It it makes no sense for me. Like Jahan Dotson is a good player. I don't believe he is a great player, at least for number 16 overall in round one. They could have stayed at net pick eleven. Same thing with the Vikings. And they could have just drafted Chris Olave. And I would have I would have applauded them for that. I think Chris Olave is a fantastic player. I, but the commanders, like, 
it just it it's another one of those moves where it's like what why are we overthinking it? Sometimes players fall on your lap and you're like, okay, now I have to calculate and hopefully maybe something else happens. No, just take the player. Just take Chris Olave. It's okay. I just I don't know. Like their and their second rounders weren't even that fantastic either. I just don't uh, agree with the moves. The Saints trading up makes no sense to me. Washington Viking trading back when they leave good players on the board. I don't like it. I hate when I hate when teams do that. And you know what? That's gonna lead me right to the Giants. The Giants in day one. It's impossible for me to grade the Giants low because they had such a fantastic first day. And sometimes teams get lucky. We got lucky that the Houston Texans decided to go with Derek Stingley over Kayvon Thibodeau because we knew the New York Jets wanted Sauce Gardner. They were going to go for a corner, and they ultimately traded up for an edge rusher later. We'll talk about that. So we got lucky that Kayvon Thibodeau fell right in our lap, and two of the top tackles were still available. Of course, you take Kayvon, and you take one of the two tackles at pick seven, Evan Neal. I thought day one could not have gone any better for us. Kayvon is, to me, the number one edge rusher in that draft class. As far as the guy, when I talked about Trayvon Walker, I believe Kayvon Thibodeau has high-end upside. And not maybe not elite college production, but a great college resume. Evan Neal is a 6'8", 300-pound brawler. I owe him an apology because I said I would have taken Icky first anyway. And I'm sure the Giants would have been fine with whoever fell in their lap. But, I mean, as far as like two of the guys, I, a lot of people had Evan Neal as the best tackle and Kayvon Thibodeau as the best edge rusher. I mean. That's as great of a draft as we could have walked out of. But going into day two, we had pick 36, which we then traded back to pick 38, which is fine, which we then traded back with Atlanta to about pick 43 or 42. At the time at pick 38, Andrew Booth, the corner out of Clemson, who was projected to be a first round draft pick, was still sitting there pretty much just just waiting just waiting for us to come and take him. And then we trade back one more time. Minnesota eventually jumps us, and we lose out on a, on a pretty sweet player. And then, on top of that, we draft Wondell Robinson, who, I'll be honest, no idea who he was before we announced the pick. And maybe I'm a little biased because I liked Sky Moore and, you know, like guys like Calvin Austin, a little bit better. George Pickens was available as well, I believe. I like those guys better than Wondell Robinson, who is 5'8", 175 pounds. I know he's a gadget guy. And maybe we had him graded higher than Andrew Booth anyway. And we got the guy we were going to take all along. But... Like it's it the Giants have a plan for him. But I think maybe you're just so obsessed with this plan that we just let a good player walk by. Like we we don't have to be that this deep intellectual, analytical type, you know, player where we have to draft guys with a plan and we're super strict with this plan and we're super invested in this plan. Sometimes we get lucky and we almost got lucky a handful of times in this draft. 
I would have loved for us to take Andrew Booth at number 38. Maybe would have gotten Wandell Robinson anyway. But we could have walked out with Kayvon Thibodeau, Evan Neal, Andrew Booth, Nicobe Dean, Calvin Austin, Wandell Robinson, whatever it might be. I just don't like when we're trying to be too smart than we actually need to be. We got lucky, and we let a good player walk by. I'm not a huge fan of that. The Jets, they, they did well, and both New York teams walked out around one as winners. Getting uh, Sauce Gardner, I don't blame them for passing a top edge rusher. Sauce Gardner is going to be one of the, the best 15 quarter, cornerbacks in the league by the time he steps in. He may be a step behind Patrick Peterson when he came in. He may be just as good. I thought Patrick Peterson was a phenomenal corner. But he's going to be an elite corner in the league. And then to have Garrett Wilson be available for them at pick 10, I think Garrett Wilson is going to be, he's Odell Beckham Jr. And Zach Wilson has, had emerged at the end of the last year. Him, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, you know, Brees Hall, who was their day two pick. They have done a fantastic job over the last two years, similar to the Detroit Lions, at building a young core. There's Makai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, Brees Hall, Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson, uh, Elijah Moore. This is all on the offensive side of the ball. They have invested so much into developing Zach Wilson. That's exactly what you have to do when you have an elite quarterback or you want to have an elite quarterback. I think that the Jets have drafted almost across the board. They drafted everybody right. Trading back up for Jermaine Johnson, phenomenal move. He might've been the guy that they wanted all along anyway. But some, like I said, when you see great value, pick 26, that's great value. Love what the Jets did. Jeremy Rutker, uh, Ruckert, excuse me. A uh, really good tight end as well. They they signed the tight end from Cincinnati as well this free agency period. Again, they've just done a great job. I think every move that I've seen them do over the last two years or so, and especially this year from free agency to now, they have made all the right moves in my mind. Ultimately, it's on the coach to put the pieces together. Same thing with what I said about the Lions. Nobody gives a damn if you win. The offseason. Nobody gives a damn if you win free agency in the draft. Put the pieces together. Get the elite quarterback. Zach Wilson has to step up to the plate. Robert Sala has to step up to the plate. And they have to do the things that they need to do. The Chiefs always impress. I mean, as far as like, people, the sky was falling for a lot of outsiders. Not, And I'm not going to claim to be a Chiefs fan. But maybe I'm a Chiefs apologist. I believe in Kansas City. I'm a huge fan of Patrick Mahomes. And not for a second did I believe that they had lost their grip on being a successful franchise. Sometimes you get lucky. And Trent McDuffie falling all the way to 21 where they have a chance to trade up for him. It's a little lucky. But they have finally gotten what I believe to be an elite cornerback. What a great pick. And this is possible because they had the balls to trade away Tyreek Hill at the right price to get an additional first-round pick 
to be aggressive in the first round and go ahead and get a guy like Trent McDuffie. And then to follow that up with grabbing George Karloftis, who might have been edge rusher three or four, depending on which board you were looking at. But they have now turned Tyreek Hill into two, one mainly, but having the benefit of being able to trade up, two elite defensive prospects for the next five years for them. I love it. And they got Brian Cook and Leo Chanel as well. Chanel, however you pronounce his last name. Like, they have made a lot of pieces or put together a lot of pieces in the absence of, you know, losing guys like Tyreek Hill. And for the record, Tyreek Hill was not a first-round pick again. I think I mentioned at the top top of the show, they have always been a team that has a plan and has drafted really well to that. I love that they go ahead and grab uh, Sky Moore. Whenever the Chiefs grab a, a receiver in like the second, third, and fourth round, I'm convinced they're going to be a star. Andy Reid is the smartest quarterback in the NFL, one of the greatest offensive minds we've ever seen in the NFL. They're going to work. They're going to be fine. Cool your heads. They're going to be fine. And I really like Darian Kennard. I think he was like round five. A high-end tackle talent. Again, the Chiefs just do a lot of things right. And I got to give them their credit for it. You got it. Like, we got to calm down on some of these moves when elite teams are making moves. They're fine. And the Ravens, another elite team. They draft and develop as well as anybody. Look, Kyle Hamilton falls to 14. Of course, it's no-brainer you take him. No-brainer. He feels like a Raven. They're going to ask him to wear a lot of hats, and he's exactly the type of guy that can do it. But to be able to get Kyle Hamilton and then the trade-away Hollywood Brown, who is not even worth, like, they've, they have not been in love with Hollywood Brown since they took him, like, number 26 overall or so uh, in the first round a couple years ago. They've been waiting for the moment where they can get rid of him. To be able to trade him, flip him for a first rounder, number 23 overall, or excuse me, 25 overall, is, I mean, like, that is amazing. They probably walked away with two of the best pure prospects in this entire entire draft. Cal Hamilton is the best safety in this draft. He's one of the best prospects in this draft. And he's the absolute perfect fit for the Baltimore Ravens. They also got the center, the sweet center out of Iowa, Tyler Linderbaum. I mean, like, to get a David Ojabu as well in the second round and Isaiah Likely farther on, they have just nailed sweet player after sweet player after sweet player. I love the Ravens. Fantastic moves by them. And ultimately, I think the team that had the best draft, the team that had the best offseason, and the team that's going to t- continue to dominate over the next couple years is Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles. As a Giants fan, I'm going to be upset to watch the Eagles dominate. But as a friend of Lucas's and as a fan of the game, I love what the Eagles have done. <clears throat> Going ahead and getting uh, Jordan Davis. Maybe they should have taken Kyle Hamilton at pick 13. They traded up to get him. But getting Jordan Davis to pair alongside Fletcher Cox and Hassan Reddick. 
fantastic move. Jordan, we won't, we may never see a guy like Jordan Davis, you know, in the course of some of our lives, or at least within the next like 10 years or so. Absolute freak of an athlete. They get Jordan Davis, and then they trade their second first round pick, one of the three first round picks they originally had. They trade one of the first round picks into next year with the Saints. So they have two first round picks again next year. They trade their second first round pick for AJ Brown and they sign him to $25 million a year for t- I mean, like they couldn't have done this draft process any better. I didn't believe that a, a high end receiver was going to get traded. I thought that at the end of the day that the Titans were going to get AJ Brown, but apparently they only offered him about $16 million. Absolute low ball to capitalize an opportunity like that, to nail Jordan Davis, to sign Hassan Reddick in the offseason, you know, to to make the moves that they've had over the course of the last, not even just two years, obviously in Howie's Roseman's career, the Eagles are in a position to win that division for the foreseeable future. Even if Jalen Hurst doesn't work out, they have two first-round picks that they can do use to trade for a quarterback, whether that's in next year's draft or maybe like a Kyler Murray, something like that. Like, the, the Eagles constantly make fantastic moves. Harry Roseman is one of the best dealers, GMs, and you know, in the entire NFL. And then to snack Nakobe Dean, to, to have a guy like just fall right into your lap, I think Nakobe Dean is the best linebacker in the draft. I know there's some question marks. He's a, he's a smaller guy. He's like 5'10", 5'11". He had a shoulder injury. There's a couple question marks. But at the end of the day, every move that they made to me was fantastic. Kudos to them. And for the Titans, as far as the Titans are concerned, I think this might be another Justin Jefferson uh Stefan Diggs type move. Traylon Burks, his pro comp is AJ Brown. I think that they're they're gonna be okay. It's one of those win mid moves. You get pick 18, you draft a replacement wide receiver like Traylon Burks, who I think has fantastic upside. They're gonna be just fine. Everything's gonna be fine. But my biggest winners for the drafts, Jets, Chiefs, Ravens. I think the Giants did really well on the first day. Eagles uh, didn't. I hated the moves that the Vikings, Washington, and Saints made. I thought Seattle actually did pretty well as well. I, I thought, you know, you don't get you don't go for a quarterback, which is totally fine. Uh, they don't have to. They they're totally have every right to believe that they can win games with Geno Smith or Drew Locke. Getting Charles Cross was the right pick. Getting Boyamafe, who Lucas schemed in the first round last. You know, in our last mock draft, Kenneth Walker, I think is a fantastic pick. I mean, like the Seahawks don't give a rat's ass what anybody thinks they're going to draft their guys. Kenneth Walker, they're going to run the football like 45 times a game. Kobe Bryant, Tariq Woolen are their type of cornerbacks. Like they, they do not give a damn what anybody thinks. Same with the Packers. The Packers do not give a damn how their picks may affect anybody, especially Aaron Rodgers, on their roster. Boy Walker and Devontae Wyatt, good picks. They always make good picks. 
And, you know, New England's always going to be, they got to do something that surprises us. But I thought most teams did pretty well, you know, and, and at the end of the day, maybe this draft isn't the draft that completely sets their franchises back. But, you know, people are getting fired in, in Washington, that's for sure. Thank you for listening. That's going to do it for the end of this episode. Go ahead and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Follow Jared's show and Luke, Jared and Lucas's show, Pit Stop, that they're going to start putting out more episodes on a regular basis and listen to our weekly podcast. We really appreciate you. Thank you.